Welcome to As A Creator, the podcast that dives deep into the minds and stories of the top content creators on TikTok and Instagram. I'm your host, Charlotte Tricartan. I'm a TikTok creator and owner of Char Charms Water Bottle Accessories, and I'm thrilled to be here with you. Today, we're talking to Ryan Lushock. Ryan and I graduated from the University of Illinois around the same time, but before he even graduated, he was already working for Mr. Beast as a TikTok analyst. He spent every day looking at the analytics behind Mr. Beast's video and learning why they did or didn't go viral. Now he's a full-time content creator for Kraft, where he will be the man behind the TikTok of Kraft Mac and Cheese and their Philadelphia cream cheese. I was so excited to talk to him and I think you guys will love this episode. Now, before we get started, I wanna say thank you to our sponsor, Char Charms. If you own a water bottle, Char Charms will make hydration fun. Shop water bottle accessories at charcharms.com. Now let's get started. Welcome to As a Creator, Ryan. It is so great to have you on. Thank you. Yeah, it's so great to finally be on. Yeah, awesome. So Ryan, I kind of just want to dive into, you know, how you even started in content creation because you are, I would say, like a legend in content, what? even though you're very <laughs> in oh, wow. content creation. I mean, I stalked your LinkedIn probably a hundred times before this um, this podcast, and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's worked with some awesome people. So I kind of want to start from the very beginning. How did you even get into content creation? Yeah, I mean, like really early on, I just always wanted to go into film. You know, I was totally into movies and, and all that sort of thing. And like even had a, a curiosity for like becoming an actor at one point was like, as super young, like middle school, was like, mom, how do I, how do I get an agent? <laughs> like, I want to be in Disney Channel shows. So I always had a curiosity about it. Um, but it wasn't until like, I want to say junior year of high school when I, um, which I would say is still pretty early, found my way like onto a professional like film set. Um, just was a producer, saw something I'd made and put on YouTube for like a, a local election. I made like a, a campaign video, weirdly enough. Um, but yeah, he found that, invited me on the set, and that just like showed me so much about the space. Um, but then, as you know, like when we were both in college around the same time, um, I had one semester uh, that was like normal 2019, and then um, everything shut down uh, my second semester of freshman year. So then that's when uh, social media and TikTok really started like coming up, and everybody was getting on. and. And that's when it started uh, changing away from film industry towards more, what is this social media space? What's content creation about? So really got into that. And that was like the perfect time, right? Because during COVID, you had so much time. I mean, me and you were both like the same age at U of I, right? So like we mm -hmm. both experienced COVID level college for two years. And we know that that wasn't the most you know, rigorous. So like we both had a lot of time on our hands, I would say. So do you think that that allowed you to really explore social media? No, for sure it did. And I mean, like you said, there was just so much that you could do and so much, um, I mean, like for a lot of people it probably wasn't the same way and, and things were really restrictive. But if you um, were like involved in the online space and very technical, like with computers and stuff, like for me, I just found it to be, um, really opportunistic and and like I took like 21 credit hours which the max is 18 I had to like overload um so like I really made use of my time and like so <laughs> there's this one semester I always tell everybody 
but I was in 21 credit hours. And then I had two remote editing job internships like on campus. So I mean, it was possible because everything was just from your computer. So if you just, you know, like didn't want free time, I guess, <laughs> then you could um, set up your life this way. I mean, yeah, if you manage your time, right? Like you could have done a thousand <laughs> things. Right. Yeah, That's if you manage your wild. Time, right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Did you, so you were doing some editing internships. When did you start to do social media stuff? Because there's a big difference between editing like film and then editing short form video for TikTok and Instagram. When, when, when did you make that switch? Right. There, there is a huge switch. And I don't think a lot of people make that switch in their minds. Like I worked, I had a lot of friends in media and cinema studies major, which is like U of I's film major. And um, like for a lot of them, like they know how to make a perfect film, but then, you know, they toss it up on YouTube and, and it gets no views and they're wondering why. It's because there's this whole other industry, this other half of it that um, is like super interesting with keywords and, and how people find your video. Um, but I got into it because... I started this series um, junior year. Everything was starting to, can, you know, kind of lift up a little bit. And I, I started asking people what song they were listening to on the quad because I'd seen it on YouTube, but I was like, I haven't seen this on TikTok. So maybe it'll be a little different if I can like do it vertically and maybe POV style and, and um, like just one or two clips instead of a whole five minute video. So um, that's what really started taking off and, and showed me the back end of everything. I did watch that series. Loved it, by the way. Super entertaining. It's very fun. I didn't run into you. I know. No, honestly. Well, something that I thought was so interesting is about the interview style is that that's what helped Char Charms, like my TikTok, like that got us so many views and followers mm -hmm. and sales because we were starting to do that interview style TikTok. And I know so many people had questions like, do you just film these people without asking them? <laughs> like, yeah. did you get those types of questions too? Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, everybody I've talked to kind of takes it at face value and is like, you just went and approached people on the quad on the sidewalk. Some people were kind of turned off by that. Like, well, isn't that a little interruptive? And honestly, like a lot of the ones that I did were the least confrontational, interruptive um, kind of thing, because I'm not the most like, uh, or at least wasn't the most outgoing and forward person. So I would like even just getting myself to be on the quad holding a microphone like it's so weird to think about but back then like i <laughs> was struggling and like i even went out once and just came back home and couldn't do it like it's it was really hard to to what to interact wow. with strangers. <laughs> yeah so that was really out of your comfort zone in the beginning oh yeah totally um oh my gosh yeah i mean even with the viewership like after i did it once and uploaded once was still hard because it's not like it's well known and I don't know maybe it's just a sort of like social anxiety thing but um, yeah that I, I definitely credit doing those and, and keeping myself doing those and the success of that series to like really forming like the personality that I have today and, and what I'm able to do now. So that was your original like that's how you started on TikTok. Did you see success from the very beginning or was your first video a flop? Like how did that first, you know, first couple videos go? Because I feel like that really determines your initial trajectory. Right. Yeah. No, I, I joined like the first time I ever downloaded TikTok was in 2019, um, freshman year of college, just to watch and see what was going on. People were downloading it, so I might as well join the join the trend. 
But um, I uploaded a few things here and there, nothing too crazy. But I mean, the numbers, even comparing from TikTok to YouTube of like not virality, were still more. There were like 2,000 views per video, which I was like, that's crazy because you usually get like 50 views a YouTube video if you if you don't know what you're doing. Um, but yeah, it was it was um, my first video to go up for the What Song You're Listening To series was the one that took off. And honestly, like, if it hadn't, I don't know if I would have done it again. And I had even filmed this, like, how to make a air fryer pizza at midnight type video, like a recipe video, and was like, oh, that one is going to bang. I'm going to, like, release that, and it's going to go huge. Um, but I, for <laughs> some reason, just ended up slotting this one first, uploaded this one first, and... Um, I ended up uploading that next one later, and it's a little flop, like less than 10,000 10, views. So. so you have this trend that does extremely well. It gets you 100,000 plus followers on TikTok. You get millions of views with the trend. Um, did you ever feel like, you know, you should be done with it? Like, did you ever feel like, oh, <laughs> this is kind of going, like the views aren't com coming anymore. Maybe I shouldn't do it anymore. How did you feel after you did like the first 20? Yeah, so I mean, I had been I'd done a lot of research and studying on, on content creation before I even uploaded the first video. So I kind of knew what I was getting myself into. And just like I watched YouTube more than anything else, like more than Netflix, more than TV, more than like I'm getting my content straight from YouTube even before any of this started. So I was I was really well versed in the space and like what it means to blow up and was always trying to blow up. Um, and, and when I started on TikTok, I was getting these views, like you said, these numbers, and I was kind of like, um, I was like, this is different than I thought it would be because, you know, definitely getting views on YouTube and TikTok are different things. And that's when I really felt it. And I was like, yeah, I've got over 100,000 followers on TikTok, but what does that mean? And like not having that as like YouTube subscribers is it's just a whole different fan base in a way of like serving content that um, really made me lose that aspect of like community of like people coming back to my videos. And I think that's something I really missed on that opportunity. But um, hmm. but yeah, I just kept making them and always try to include new versions of the formats. Like I would look at what trending and try and like how do I start off with the question of what song you listen to, but then like morph it into something like weird comedy that's trending. And then that's something you still see today is Got like it. the hook of the question, but then it jumps into something else. Yeah, absolutely. And those interview trends are still massive. They're going to be massive for a long time. Like I don't see them going anywhere, right? Like because people like to see the, we don't know what they're going to say aspect. It's the aspect of, oh my goodness, it could be something really funny, it could be something serious, we have no clue. Is there anything mm -hmm. else behind the interview style videos that you think kind of gives it that forever lasting virality? It's all in the hook. I mean, just there's such an innate curiosity about like how other people live their day or like what song other people listen to. I mean, the whole reason I started was because I thought my taste in music wasn't that great and I just wanted new songs to listen to. And also kind of to like make a time capsule of like, here's 2021, what people are listening to on a college campus. Um, so yeah, I think people always like this format. And I mean, we'll probably get to it. But even in my recent job with um, like understanding formats and, and virality as a whole, like this man on street, as they call it, or interview style format mm -hmm. is 
it, it works for some reason. It just connects with people. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's worked with you. It's worked with me. It's, it's, uh, it's a proven, a proven format. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll actually kind of jump into how you started to even work with. Was Mr. Beast your next job after you did that TikTok? Was that like your next step in your career? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was kind of weird how it all happened. Um, So I was always interested in going into the film industry. And then when I went to college, I went to college for advertising. And that was just because I had this like business mathematical brain to me. And um, I didn't want to apply for like a media and cinema studies major instead of like a film production major. I didn't want to study it. I wanted to like actually produce. Um, And my mom was like, well, they have an advertising. Why don't you do that? So like completely shaped my life just in that one like throwaway. Hey, you should do this major. Um, So I did. Um, And so after like the trend went viral, um, I was on set to still just have a summer internship with like a huge advertising agency in Chicago. I did. Um, And then I went back to campus just for one more semester, my last semester before graduating in the winter. Um, And right before I went back, I... Um, had seen that there was an opening at Mr. Beast. I mean, he like just created a job board like online and there were like 15 openings and um, just I threw my application in because I was like, that would be super cool. I could learn so much. Um, and uh, I mean, we can get into the story, but but yeah. Yeah, just... tell me, please tell <laughs> yeah. like Let's dive into it. I want to hear about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this was right before school. I remember like walking down into my basement of my parents' house and like my brothers are on the couches and I was like, uh, so I just like applied to a Mr. Beast job. Um, like that would be pretty cool. <laughs> they were like, yeah, you better get it. Um, but yeah, it was it was just a, a weird uh, moment where like I just, you know, one day I'm, in, I'm refreshing my email and I, I see this email come in that's like, a request for an interview and it's from Mr. Beast and and you know the world kind of slows and, and you're shaking a bit um, trying to keep it together but uh, yeah um, there's this whole long interview process and, and back and forth with emails and um, it ended up taking I think three months of, of back and forth before uh, finally like getting to a point of like a job offer or anything like that but it was like two interviews and then a hiring challenge and then, um, and then just finding the right fit. What was the hiring challenge? Yeah, the hiring challenge was for me to roast one of their TikToks that, that flopped and like provide a strategy for how to make it better. And then um, just coming up with a, a new video based on current trends. Huh, okay. Do, I mean, do they even have videos that flopped? Like. Did they send you a video that flopped or did you have to go and like find like their video that only has 5 million views and see how it was worse than yes. their 10 million view video? No, exactly, exactly. They, uh, they actually sent me an example video, but uh, the video that they said flopped was a 13.8 million view video with, um, oh, that one um, rapper, something like that. It was Mr. B's first song was the, was the TikTok okay. that they sent me. Um, but yeah, it was great. Um, I sent that in and then I'm waiting for like a month and a half and I'm not hearing anything. So I was like, how can I like restate my interest in this? And I, um, I was like, well, let me just like 
do the job that I think that I want to do there and just like send them like a presentation of, of what I imagine myself doing. Um, just like and trying to give them that? that value up front. And yeah, so I, um, I looked at current trends, like what I saw trending on TikTok at that point and just put it all in a presentation and like gave suggestions of how we might be able to use this and then um, recorded myself talking through it like a minute long, maybe like super fast. Cause I went through like 10 different trends, I think, and like trending audios and trending creators. Um, and sent that to the to the recruiting guy on just Instagram DM, um, <laughs> like on a hope and a wish. And um, wow, yeah, he got back to me a week later and was like, "Let me put you on a call with our analytics lead." And from there, it was that was that. So, what was your actual position that they gave you at Mr. Beast? I worked as a junior data analyst, which I kind of like to rephrase as content strategist when I talk with like people not in the data world. What was your favorite part about the job? Yeah, I really enjoyed um, just being able to work with people who were like that tuned into the industry. And like, I mean, everybody there, it was just such a community of like young people who were all in on TikTok and content creators and um, just like such dedication to like, if you have a crazy idea, it's not crazy and like we will do it and pursue it. And that was so different to um, my experience before that working in an advertising agency where it was like, anything that's frivolous, we are cutting to make sure the budget fits. <laughs> like there's just so much red tape and right. Mr. Beast was really eye-opening to see that. It's the total opposite. They'll take every idea and say, yeah. we can do everything or anything right. that's like crazy, right? And mm -hmm. they don't have a budget. It's like unlimited budget. Wow, like I, I don't think anyone will ever have that experience unless they work for Mr. Beast. Like there are no content creators. I mean, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like he's the only one that really has that style of video of like, let's do anything. Like it doesn't matter how big it is. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's definitely a unique um, edge. And probably one of the reasons why he is so successful is, is like he he says this every single time, like it is kind of a joke, like working there. But like he just wants to make the best videos possible. You'll hear him say that all the time. Did you work directly with him wherever he's based or was it a rem remote position? I worked for the first two months remotely. So I was still in college and finishing up and I was like, I am working like my dream job remotely while I'm still in college this is crazy. Um, but yeah, they offered me a full-time position. Um, so I moved to Greenville, North Carolina um, and uh, started working there on site. And that was like crazy right out of college to just to just move across the country away from everything and and instantly like be at the top of the game. What a crazy experience. Honestly, amazing. I want to talk a little bit about like what you learned in strategy working at Mr. Beast because, what you learned in a year there is probably what would take people 10 years to learn working at like a normal marketing agency, just because they're so focused on the TikTok analytics. And I've listened to Mr. Beast do podcast interviews and just like how in depth that they go on every little second and like every word matters. Um, so I'd love to hear kind of like the broad to narrow of, you know, what 
is the most important thing for a viral video to, you know, what are some of the nitty, nitty gritty details that someone can add to a video that can help it go viral? Yeah, I mean, without getting into spilling company secrets that I'm not allowed to uh, to, <laughs> to divulge too much into, but me personally, based on a, sure. a grouping of all my experiences, <laughs> um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot. It's definitely, um, I mean, we were talking a little bit about content formats, like what's the format of your mm -hmm. content that you're going to pick? I mean, there's a lot of um, interview and kind of like question based uh, formats that are that do really well. I mean, like you said, just asking people questions, people want to know what strangers think of a different situation. Um, but what I really focus on is every number TikTok gives you, I was analyzing <laughs> every single one um, with the most important being uh, retention. So like the percentage of people watching at every single second of the video, if there's a drop, I need to be able to explain why are people scrolling away at this second and how can we how can we change that to, to keep it increased and keep people watching for longer. What do you think is the best time length for a video? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think that anyone would give you a firm answer on that. It's just as long as you can keep people watching to whatever length you make. I think the percent of how long someone's watching is more important than how long the video is. From what you found in your analytics, what have you found to be the optimal length for a video? I like the rephrase. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I can't say uh, what I found um, like during my work, but on my own, I can tell you what I found is that there is no correlation between um, video length and viewership. Like this is actual certified data, like from TikTok, looking at the platform. Um, there isn't, like I looked over the top thousand videos uh, like on the platform in the past month, past year, whatever. Um, when you look at like the correlation between views and, and video duration, like is it under a minute or over a minute? There's, there's nothing, it's, it's all over the place. You can get any amount of viewership at any video length. So it's, it's a hard way to answer your question. It's a hard reality to swallow sometimes, but any, like the percent of how long people watch through is more important than anything. Of course, and what I've heard about watch through is that you can have better retention and keep more people if you are right constantly switching things around engaging every sentence is engaging and keeping someone interested the background or whatever you're filming like there's lots of cuts is that kind of on par with what you found with your video content creation are there other things for retention that people can do yeah so every single thing that happens within the frame of the video can be analyzed and I did <laughs> it was analyzed a hundred percent sure um like between wow. we were even looking at things of like is the beginning voiceover versus like talked about like like you can see the person talking or like that robot voice like which results in higher viewership which results in better retention um so like even things down to that is there text on screen is music playing is it dark is it light is it you know every single thing you could think about like we looked into because we want to know how to make the best videos possible um so yeah there's it's it's everything that goes into the video and my part was really focused on like the first one to three seconds of a video. We want to know like if you're coming across a video, like what is keeping you in that first three, like what is the hook of the video? And then um, 
why are you choosing to watch the rest of the video? And at what point are we losing people? And like, what point do we need to re-engage them to keep watching? When you find that you need to re-engage them, what's your favorite tactic to use? Yeah, I think this is public information, is that like Mr. Beast a lot in his YouTube videos will like, when he needs to re-engage in a certain video topic, he'll um, like bring in one of his friends to do something. Like if he's doing like a, like a, I think one of them recently was like all of the ages compete against each other and everybody's in like a cube or something. Um, and what he'll do is like he's been hosting it, he's walking you through, is he'll re-engage by like putting his friend in charge of something and then his friend will like cause havoc and like it'll be a little like chaos scene for like a minute or two. So just like reestablishing something new. Okay, so for someone who's creating TikTok content and they're doing something that's a minute long, see there's a huge difference though between what Mr. Beast <laughs> is doing and actually creating something, right? Like there's a huge difference between a per, like a hundred person media team behind TikToks or YouTube and then like a social media person who's just wanting to create a minute long video about their mm -hmm. business or themselves as an influencer. And it's it might be harder to have a random person pop in at that 30 second time point <laughs> of your little TikTok video. Yeah. Do you have right. any other, you know, possible like possible tip like is it just like switching the topic or like, you know, changing the background as simple as that or bringing in like a whole new idea to it. Um, for people who can like actually tangibly use that advice. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can I can give specifics, but I think the the best rule of thumb that I go by is like number 1 if I'm watching my own video and I get bored yeah. or I look yeah. away, that's huge tell number 1 and then like bringing someone else in to watch it if you can have a family member or a friend or someone when you show them your work at any moment do they like look off to the side, do they get a text and they want to check their phone, do they you know, it's just where are you losing their attention? Um, but if you're trying to think about how to do it, like before you even get to that point, like when you're writing or when you're shooting or even before you get to a final edit, um, the best thing that I can say is to find a way to keep just solid pacing throughout the video. I, I mean, like, I think you can see in a lot of my recent videos is that I'll like have one sort of feeling or idea for maybe 20 seconds and then it gets changed and it's something that I've never done before especially with like a film background is like I'll have this this track this music that I'm using and my film background wants me to be like you need to use like a minute or like three minutes plus of that track and like develop a scene around that but like what I've found making social content is that I use 20 seconds of the track and it still conveys what you need to and it keeps people um, kind of in this, I think he terms it like lull or like even brain fog of like not realizing they're watching the video, but still just sitting there and being engaged. I think that makes sense. And I, you're so right, because even when I scroll through my own TikTok page, as soon as I see myself, like I'll, I'll skip videos. And I'm like, oh my God, like, duh, that didn't do well. Like I just skipped it myself because it wasn't a good video. <laughs> um, I, and I, yeah. I like the idea of even giving the videos to friends and family members and watch them as they watch the videos to yes. see are they also losing the attention. But what you mentioned about like the script writing and putting together the content, for your own content now and when you work with brands, what does that strategy even look like? Like from 
how do you start with an idea for a TikTok video? And we'll kind of like go through the steps um, of the strategy of building a TikTok for your own content or for a brand. Let's start with like the idea creation or if there's something even before that. Yeah, no, when it comes to my own work, a lot of it is, um, a lot of the ideas come through like synthesizing things that I've seen online. Or like if I find a trend or creator who's doing something really interesting, it comes from like how can I like recreate that, but it, like do it in a way that is, I mean, <laughs> I, I like kind of hate using this phrase, but Ludwig is, is a big streamer and he says, you know, yoink and twist. Like it's so perfect. Like just take their idea and twist it a little bit, add it like your own little personal spin on it. And um, if you can do that, like you'll learn so much because it's a proven concept, it works for them. And if you're recreating that, like you are getting those tangible skills of like thinking in that way and writing in that way and actually editing it and making something of that style is that's like how you're going to get the best education is just by doing it yourself and and trying to make it um, personal to you and interesting. Um, so, yeah, when it, that's how I'll arrive at a, an, an idea a lot is just to like take in a lot of content and um, see what is like resonating with me and see if there's anything I want to like expand upon if I've seen something. Um, but a lot of times, like with branded content, it'll come from, you know, they'll usually have a little piece of creative to start you off and, and get you running. And um, yeah, then from there, it's, it's, it's combining things that I know work and that I've seen before on the platform. Um, I, the biggest thing I'll say about brand work is being platform native. Like if you can be TikTok native, if it's going on TikTok is like, the biggest thing and i think that's why i do a lot of interview style content for brands you mean TikTok native as in when you are going to do videos for a brand you know that it's only going to be on TikTok. is that what you mean by that yeah exactly because a brand might think a lot of the time let me just re-upload this other piece of content i already spent thousands of dollars making um, without realizing that it's it's not TikTok native and it's a whole different beast like especially with retention of if I'm watching a TV commercial at home, how different that is than if I'm getting served a TV commercial during my TikTok scrolling time. How different of a of a psychology that is to their viewer. Yeah, of course, but that doesn't mean that they can't take the video that you, you that you create and also post it on Reels and Facebook and YouTube right. Shorts, right. right? Yeah, so similar similar platforms. Do you would encourage that? Work. I, yeah, uh, for sure. I definitely do it myself. I re do a lot of re-uploading. And um, it's it's interesting, like, doing it on platforms that I don't have a big of a following on. Like, when I upload to my YouTube channel and I'm doing YouTube shorts, I'll even go to the distance of, like, uploading something once that maybe I uploaded on TikTok. And then I'll get the YouTube data back. And maybe it doesn't do as well. And I'll look at the YouTube graph. And I'll just keep re-editing, re-uploading based on that graph. Because I know that... I don't have the biggest audience on YouTube, so I'm always getting new people. There's so much opportunity for new growth of like subscribers, of people scrolling and like subscribing, rather than my subscribers scrolling and seeing it. So I might as well just re-edit re and re-upload the same piece of content to make it like the most optimized possible to, to capture like new growth to the channel. When you re-upload on YouTube and you're doing the re-editing, are you just using the same video, but maybe you're changing the voiceover or you're doing a robot voice or you're changing the sound or you're cutting the clips differently? Is that what you mean by re-editing? 
Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I'm looking straight at that YouTube retention graph and I'm looking, hey, there's a drop when I go from this segment and I'm just talking to the camera. Let's trim that completely out or find a different way to do that. Maybe add some B-roll and um, re-upload it and see if I can get higher numbers there. Because if you get higher numbers there, then then it's going to recommend your video more and more to, to more people because you're keeping people. So it's it's like this like a little game I, I get to play. I love that. Ryan, I've never looked at a retention graph in my life. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Wow. wow, that's crazy. I know. I didn't even know where to find it. I'm going to have to look for it. <laughs> okay, I know where it is, but like I've never used it as a tool. I think that's like a weakness of mine as like a TikTok creator and just someone who like likes the creator space is utilizing my analytics more. And obviously you mm. are so into the analytics at Mr. Beast that I can see why that just transfers into your everyday work. Um, yeah, I got it. I got to get on that. That's going to be really yeah, important. No, I'm, I'm into the weeds <laughs> a little bit on the on the numbers and the analytics for sure. Sometimes I need to just like step back and be like, no, what is the story? Let me focus on the emotions of this rather than the numbers. But but yeah. Right. Sure. Okay. So you get it. You get your idea. And then tell me a little bit about the editing process to some of these videos that you do on your own time or even for brands or how are you editing them? Yeah. So when I do editing, um, a lot of time I'm shooting it just right off my iPhone. Uh, I think that's like the case with a lot of people nowadays for vertical content, at least is like, it looks so good. And as long as you're on that 0.5 mode, you get everything in the frame. You don't even have to look at the camera. Um, so it's, it's been really nice to do that. And I'll even just hand a camera to someone who has no camera training or anything, just, just point it at me. And like in editing, I'll try and reframe it as good as it can get. Um, but yeah, I, I was kind of grown up and self-taught myself, um, Final Cut Pro in middle school. Like before I even got to high school, I was using it. I mean, before that it was probably iMovie, um, to be honest, yeah. just cause that's what comes installed. Um, but was never an Adobe guy. Um, learned a bit of it in college because that's just what they make you use. Um, and then recently they released CapCut for desktop and I've just been using that for my for my subtitles and like on-screen text because it's so good. Do you pay for it? I don't. It's it's free. Hmm. So you use Final Cut Pro to edit the video and then you import it to CapCut for your captions? Right, right, yes. Um, do you use any other apps on your iPhone to do any quick editing? No, I'll... I'll I mean, I've gotten very um, good at just using Final Cut Pro to put together like the rough edit or the final edit. And then I'll just export um, that version to, to the CapCut desktop. And then it'll just like do auto captions for me. And it's it's perfect. Auto captions are just necessary on yeah, talking videos. Yeah, yeah, you have to have it. Do you think that having auto captions from like CapCut are far superior than TikTok captions? Well, I think they're I think they're the same. I think CapCut is owned by TikTok or ByteDance, and and so it's like exactly the same as what you use in platform. Just you get to edit outside of platform and, and make your own edit beforehand. Right, but do you think like those different fonts and the colors oh, that you true. can potentially use, like <laughs> the actual visual of a CapCut caption versus a TikTok caption? Yes, yeah, there's definitely some, and there's even like other things like Instagram Reels captions or those captions yeah. that you see that like light up at like when they're being said or, or maybe they scroll through. I mean, there's all these different retention tactics. Again, it goes back to retention of just like, how can I keep someone's eye on the screen? And that's why like, you'll see all my videos have subtitles now. When I uploaded the first What Song, it had no subtitles, but um, but now, now all of them do. Yeah, now you have to. 
And for everyone listening, if you are doing any videos that have talking in them, captions are a necessity. So definitely do not forget those, whether you use the TikTok ones or the CapCut ones. Um, I like CapCut. I have the app on my phone, so it's so easy to use. And there's even this other app called, or it's an AI tool. I actually pay for it. It's called Veed.io, V-E-E-D.io. And it's awesome. Like it's so easy and it's way easier than CapCut for captions as well. So if, um, if anyone wants to check that one out, I highly recommend it. <laughs> so Ryan, kind of last era, right, that I want to dive into now is your brand work at Craft. So you're making this transition to a new job as a full-time content creator. Tell me a little bit about that. How did you get that position and what is it going to look like? Right. So I, I was at uh, Mr. Beast for the first few months out of the year, um, just over the winter and, and early spring period. And then um, I just wasn't really like it. I wanted to be more in the the content creation and like actually hands-on producing, you know, like actually working with video, maybe editing too, um, of that. And um, just a couple things, but overall they weren't willing to to put me in that kind of a position. Um, so things went their own way, and I came back to Chicago and and started looking for that position here, um, just kind of in my hometown and. Um, Ended up finding it with with uh, Kraft Heinz and their in-house agency. So super excited that that all worked out, and um, now I get to to create silly little social media videos for for the biggest brands like Kraft Mac and Cheese and and Philadelphia Cream Cheese. So it's it's really a blessing. Are you going to be doing like high production videos, or is it still going to be iPhone with a creator? You know, hands on. What is it going to look like? Yeah, no, it's, I think it's a little bit of both, um, just kind of depending on, on what the ask is, but it'll mainly be creating TikTok native content, social media native content. So a lot of that's going to be, you know, that kind of on the go, on the run, um, iPhone style content. Um, yeah, because that's what works. I mean, if I were to upload like a super well-produced right. video of a mac and cheese noodle like spinning under like a spotlight, <laughs> I mean, maybe actually that could be. <laughs> like over the yeah, top. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just that interesting change of mind, especially for me coming from like a, a wanting to be in film and a film background to then um, learning just, you know, just just do what people your age like and and connect with. Like it's it's really, don't overthink it. Like it's um, whatever you want to watch, just make that and and people will will resonate with it. So is the goal to be filming and editing or is the goal to be like a filmer and editor in a process of the TikTok? Like, are you gonna be working with a ton of other people to create one TikTok? Or is it gonna be like your face on the TikTok, selfie <laughs> style, you know, eating macaroni and cheese with ketchup in it? Like, what, what, what do you think it's gonna look like in that sense? Yeah, no, exactly. You're hitting on something that's perfect is at my time in my recent position, like it, there were 15 to 20 to however many um, people just working on one platform and putting together one video or, you know, we would have a couple of videos in process. Um, and that to me was was scary for me, honestly, to get to get like um, just put in this box of you are as an analytics person you are going to stare at this excel sheet and all of these numbers until like you come up with something like a reason of what's going on and for me i really wanted to like have a little bit of 
um, like a hand in every process. Because for me, like the worst thing that could happen is I recommend something or I or I edit something and then I hand it to someone else who then does the posting and, and maybe they don't post it at the right time or title it the right thing or use the right hashtags. So for all of that to like get lost and all of that work to not, you know, achieve its highest possibility, um, I think it's just so important to, to to like watch it like your baby until like the end of the process until it gets out there. Um, it's just that was really important for me and I found it at craft. So um, yeah, I will be kind of like the all in one uh, tool and and even like they were looking for someone to be in the videos and host them. So yeah, it's it's everything in one. And that's exactly what I was looking for. Are you the only one on their team that will be doing their TikTok? Yeah, so I mean, Craft has a bunch of brands. So okay. there, there's probably like four to five content creators, like these all-in-one people, um, just on varying brands and, and what they call pods of their brands. Um, but I've got the I've got the comfort foods pod, the the mac and cheese and cream cheese. That's the best so one. It is. It sounds pretty good to me. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> You're so, going to yeah, get I'm... so much free macaroni and cheese. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to send you like cases of it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that was the one thing about working at Mr. Beast is that like walking into the studio and everything, like there was always, there was a pallet of Feastables chocolate. And so everybody would just snack on the chocolate all day. And it was just, you know, you get really used to, to having a one chocolate bar a day or whatever it is. And yeah. So the little perks that you get along the way, for sure. Cool. Well, I'm excited to see your work at Craft. Um, that's going to be super interesting. Do you think that more businesses should be going that route with having, you know, their one or two native content creators in-house? Because so many people lean towards UGC and influencers and like that's what make up their social media strategy. Do you have an opinion on that? Yeah, it's interesting. I've been like finding this out a lot too as I've been looking for work in Chicago is is that difference between in-house versus UGC versus um, like a, a social agency that works with um, creators and like has a roster or something like that. So it's been really interesting like navigating my way around that. My opinion is that with having someone in-house like a, a content creators in-house I think that's probably the best way to go because they're so familiar with your brand. I mean like when you're working with an outside content creator or, or doing UGCs is that the people aren't familiar with your brand and they're just coming in really quick to do one thing and then and then heading out and aren't really like dedicated or devoted or, or have that salaried like kind of like um, desire to like actually uh, be committed and like care about the results of the video. Um, whereas like it's not to say that like every UGC care creator doesn't care about the results right. of their video. but. Um, it's just it's a whole separate thing when you're working contract versus working full time for someone. And also when you are working full time, there's just an expectation of, hey, it's okay, right? If some videos don't blow up, but you know there's also <laughs> right, but there's also expectation right. that some videos will do really well. And I think the biggest thing about having consistency in the content, like that in of itself, is what is really nice about having one person or just two people, you know, doing the content for a brand other than the consistency is the fact that like people are learning the style of that brand. And like once they find that style of that brand's TikTok, they know what to look forward to every mm -hmm. single time Kraft Mac and Cheese pops up right. on their TikTok page, right? right? 
I, I, yeah, I mean, for sure. When it comes to when it comes to social and like TikTok in specific, just these vertical platforms, it's all about like how you make someone feel or like the the storytelling or the. It's not about, um, and I think people get lost in it. Is is like the selling of of what you're doing or like making sure it looks pretty or, or all these different things. It's like <laughs> I've seen videos where people are sitting in bed or like on the bus or like walking around town and they're just like talking from the heart and it's like 20 million views. So that's mm-hmm. like you you really 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 have to focus on like how are you making your audience feel and and like really what do you want them to do with that? I totally thought you were going to go the direction of like saying that you've seen people like sitting in bed eating, you know, eating macaroni and cheese. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. you're right. That, that would do great. Like it's horrible lighting and they're just sitting in bed. Like, have you seen that creator that like she's in her bed and she has like one of those like little stoves and she like yes. makes her food in yes. bed and like she has her laptop there and it's like the worst quality ever. I mm-hmm. mean, it's not horrible quality, but like she's using her flash as lighting. It's just like the funniest thing. I mean, the interesting thing about that is that cropped up because of TikTok's um, new like shop feature of like being eligible for commission for having affiliate links for things. And I mean, people will like just download that video like without the watermark and re-upload it and like drop ship the product and they know it works and it does work there's nothing against it um so yeah it's it's a wild space right now to be in because you can try anything you can do anything and and it may be morally ambiguous but it's working and there's so far nothing like against it except for these commentary channels that maybe they figure out what they're doing and they make a video on you but aside from that (laughs) yeah it's a free-for-all right now and there is a lot of growth potential in this entire space Mm -hmm. so for anyone that is listening that wants to be a content creator you know ryan i end every interview with the same question what do you think is essential to becoming a successful content creator yeah i i mean for sure i I think I've given out like a few pieces of advice, but I feel like I need like a two hour podcast to get through everything. No, seriously, we're going to have to do a part two. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm totally down. There's there's so much that I've like just happened to fall into and, and my path has just been, I mean, I, a little bit of everything and I'm excited to see where it goes. And I'm definitely looking forward to, to still doing um, content creator stuff on my own and trying to grow my own personal brand and hopefully that can become, you know, the dream, the the full-time thing. And um, that is something I'm still actively pursuing and will actually pursue the hardest I ever had in my life once I move out and I'm in my own space and can and can create the, and tell the stories that I want to tell. Um, but yeah, the one thing I would leave with people is, um, I mean, I almost just said it right there, is, is that your path is going to take you down like so many things that you you may not like think are the right thing or 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 you think are the right thing in some cases may or may not have been mine um and aren't and and lead you towards a different thing so i mean just let it happen and and learn from it if you do make a mistake and um like just make the things that you want to see yourself and you will find an audience who who thinks like you and and is interested in that kind of content it's it's um you don't need to overcomplicate it just uh just make the stuff you want to see and be consistent and post a lot i'm just kidding (laughs) i'm just kidding you guys don't have to do that (laughs) 
I'll come back with a no. whole list of those. You know, you got to have lighting like this. <laughs> you got to post <laughs> yeah. five times a day right at 5 p.m. Or <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. Awesome. Ryan, it was seriously so great to have you on. We're going to do a part two. I just want to like warn you now that I'm going to be okay. in your email like in a month being like, Ryan, I got to have you on again. Um, seriously, so great to chat when you're in Chicago. We're first sure going to have to, you know, grab coffee or something and talk content creator stuff. But thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Charlotte. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please give the show a follow and a rating. Also follow as a creator on Instagram at as a creator. See you guys next week.